Hello and welcome to WeatherSnap. It's great to have you with us as we pick up on some of the key weather and climate headlines of the week. It's Friday the 13th of January and I'm Claire Nazir. And I'm Alex Deakin. Hold on to your hats. We're going to be talking about rain, heat and snow. And if you're a winter sports enthusiast who's been nervously watching the resorts forecast, then stay tuned because we'll be talking a little bit about the latest conditions across Europe as well. But first, we've got a special guest with us. It's our regular guy, Graham Madge, who is our climate correspondent. And he's here to tell us about the climate headlines which have happened this week. Graham, welcome to the show again. Hello. So last week we were talking about the UK having its warmest year on record, that's 2022, and discussed the fact that, you know, over a year, every month apart from December had higher than average temperatures. We're now going global, aren't we? And we're looking at how 2022 rated globally as a warm year. So what are the top headlines? That's right, Claire. So what we're announcing is the fact that 2022 was the sixth warmest year on record since 1850. And what we're also saying is that that is the ninth year in succession, which has been around one or above one degrees compared with the pre-industrial period, which is 1850 to 1900. So it has been one of the warmest years. We've seen all of these warm years since 2014. And I think the significant thing here is that, you know, although it's only the sixth warmest year, we have to remember that there's a good reason for that. It's not that emissions have stopped, the greenhouse gases are still causing the planet to rise in temperature, but we've had this phenomenon known as La Nina, which is this cooling of parts of the tropical Pacific, which leads to global temperatures being suppressed slightly. And that's what has caused this apparent little dip from the peak that we had in 2016. And if you look at our long-term forecast for 2023, we're saying that that influence, that cooling influence of La Nina is likely to dissipate before year end. And that, of course, could open the door to much warmer temperatures this year globally, perhaps not a record-breaking year, but certainly if we get the counterparts of La Nina and El Nino, which brings additional warmth to the atmosphere, then we could be on for another record year within the next couple of years. So even though it was a La Nina year, and we always expect globally temperatures to be slightly lower than that, it was still the sixth warmest. I think that's significant as well, Graham. Absolutely. So what this shows is that there's a small natural variation caused by the natural variability of the planetary climate and ocean system, which imparts these little troughs and little peaks. But what is clear is that greenhouse gas emissions and concentrations are still building up in the atmosphere, and that's still bringing us this warmth. All right, there's a little bit of year-to-year variability, but overall, that picture is very clear that global temperatures are continuing to rise. And if the brakes come off as we come out of La Nina, then who knows, we could be starting to see another surge in global temperatures once more. 
one of the things I've noticed, Graham, looking at looking at the graph over recent years, um, 1998 was always heralded as a particularly warm year just a decade or so ago. Looking back on it from from that point of view, it was still, you know, it stood out as a, as a very warm year. But, but this year, even though it's a La Nina year and it was cooler than 2016, even with that influence of La Nina, this year has still been warmer than that famously warm year of 98 was and uh, and and subsequent warmest years on record. So was, we, we, the trend is still there, isn't it? Absolutely, Alex. I think you've raised a fantastic point there because, you know, what we're saying is that this uh, influence of natural climate variability makes the graph wobble a bit. You get these smaller peaks and troughs. But as you rightly point out, the slight trough that we've had over the last couple of years caused by La Nina has been much higher than the peak of 98. And I guess, Alex, in your career and mine, we may go back as far as 1998. And we'll remember that being, you know, a record-breaking year at the time in the late 90s. That was the warmest year on record. And now it's dwarfed, even though we're in a slightly cooler phase by La Nina. There's a really interesting graph which speaks volumes and actually represents what's happening so clearly. And we can find that on the Met Office website, and that is global temperature associated with Enzo, El La Nina or El Nino. Am I correct there, Graham? Absolutely. And also, the graph, there's, there's one other thing that I would point to within this, and that is the fact that we can get cooling caused by volcanic activity. So back in 1991, we had the eruption of Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines, and that caused lots of emissions of aerosols and volcanic ash into the atmosphere. And that had the effect of suppressing global temperatures for a while, a year or two. And that was actually, that took part in an El Nino period where temperatures we would normally expect to be quite a bit warmer. But there was actually a distinct cooling phase for two or three years whilst all of that volcanic material settled out of the atmosphere. And then we got back to warmer temperatures again. So this period of climate variability that we see either because of enzo or because of volcanic activity affects the temperatures uh, in a modest way but of course the biggest take-home message here when anybody looks at that graph you see a general rise in temperatures which obviously is caused by the amount of greenhouse gases going into the atmosphere so we we know about El Nino and La Nina. There are other factors, aren't there, that with this natural variability that, that climate scientists talk about. The, the the key fact is we we know about them, don't we? We we know about them, and they're always included in our climate models as well. So we know that the sun varies. Um, we know that the you know volcanoes cool the earth as well uh, if they put enough stuff into the atmosphere. And we know about El Nino and other global drivers. And it's it's a key fact, isn't it, to, that even when you take all these things into consideration, there is that obvious trend there because of human what humans are doing to the atmosphere. That That's what's making the difference and that's what's driving this trend. So, of course, what we have to remember is that what we've got for last year is an average global temperature. And, of course, we know that the world isn't average. There are some places that are a bit cooler and much some places which are much warmer So if you look at the Arctic, for example, the Arctic is warming much faster than anywhere else on Earth. And the temperatures there are three, four degrees 
above what we would have expected. So that's the amount that the region there has risen. And obviously that has a huge effect on Arctic sea ice and, of course, potentially uh, impacts on our weather much closer to home. And in fact, we'll be talking about snow in a minute and the impact of a surge of warmth across Europe, which we reported on last week on WeatherSnap and the impacts of that across the mountains where at this time of year we should be seeing snow and ice. But for now, Graham, uh, that was fascinating, very worrying, particularly when we go into another El Nino. What will the temperatures be then? But thanks very much for your insight and your report on that latest information. Graham Madge, our climate correspondent and senior press officer at the Met Office. So let's now get back to the UK and the amount of rain we've had through the last 13 days of the year of the month. It's been really wet, hasn't it, Alex? It has been a wet and uh, pretty mild start to the year after what was a a very cold spell in early December, of course. So uh, winter as a whole, still a touch below average, but actually getting back up towards that average line, even though it was such a cold start to December. In terms of rainfall, yeah, it's been a very wet start to the year. Some places have already had their January average already, only what, just over a third of the way into the month. So it has been particularly soggy in Western areas. Simple reason for that, the jet stream's been active. You know, the jet stream really got a, got a kick towards the end of last year and it's it's kind of stayed that way and it's been coming in from the west and it does what it does, bringing in low pressure from, from the west and the west is pretty wet because that's where there's a big ocean out there. So it's been spells of rain uh, and often blustery conditions thanks to these low pressures driven by the jet stream and that's why it's been so wet and is staying that way for the next few days, but there are signs of a change on the way. But for the next few days, more spells of rain coming in from the west and particularly the hills of Wales and western England, so southwest England, northwest England and southwest Scotland. They've been really bearing the brunt of the rainfall. You know, the rain comes in from the west, clouds drop all the rain. And by the time it gets to the east, there's not as much left. It's a it's a classic scenario. And yeah, another spell of heavy rain coming in on Saturday. And because it's been so wet, the ground is saturated, um, even though we're not talking huge amounts. There is the potential for further flooding. Yeah, I mean, uh, the rain warnings have been issued this week, have really targeted particularly the higher ground of mm. the West. Uh, it has to go somewhere and it goes downstream. And so it's river flooding, which is of most concern. Although my garden is underwater right now here in the Northwest, we've seen a huge amount of wet weather. Mm. And heavy downpours as well, obviously, cause spray and surface water and different rivers react differently take take different time scales to so that's why the environment agency work closely with the flood forecasting center that partnership between the met office and the environment agency you know, experts in this field who know just how quickly rivers respond and, and can look at the models in detail and, and really pinpoint areas that are susceptible to flooding days in advance because of the increased accuracy in forecasting just how much rain is likely to fall out of the sky but yeah hopefully in terms of rainfall, we are perhaps in for a bit of a change as we go through the weekend into next week. Well, I hope so. I mean, we're almost half the way through meteorological winter, pretty mm. much. Mm. And we've had some extremes already this winter with obviously the very cold snap over two weeks in December, the snow, the ice. And now literally it's flipped to rain, wind and milder air, particularly across more southern areas. So give us a little bit of a a top line of what's next. Are we going to get some dry weather? Is my garden going to become less of a lake or a pond and more of a just a, a muddy pit? Well, maybe a skating rink. Um, 
colder i think is the is the main theme as we go into next week quite a bit colder nothing as extreme as it was in early december nothing particularly unusual but like you say because it has been so mild wet and windy for a, a month um after that very cold start to december it will be a bit of a return a bit of a, a bit of a shock to some so we're going to see colder air arriving during saturday once that rain's cleared but more particularly sunday monday tuesday especially so the colder air sinks southwards significant wind chill but then as the winds ease we're going to see overnight frosts hard frosts the return of potentially ice and yes the likelihood of some snow now at this kind of lead time it's a bit too early to put any detail on through the weekend it'll mostly be hills across scotland perhaps some over northern england but into next week as the air gets colder where we see some showers there could be snow down to lower levels but as i said at this kind of range it's a bit too early to put much detail on most likely obviously further north you are but um watch this space i think if you're a, a snow addict as i know many people are that's really good. That's good to know, actually. It really is. And in fact, yes, you know, we are diving into another cold spell. Not such a bad thing if we do see a bit of dry weather, but snow is always preferable just for a day or so before the country grinds to a halt. Across North America, um, in the West, we're seeing huge amounts of rain, heavy rain, up to 250 millimetres in places across Western spots and snowfall over the higher levels. So, yes, storm force winds associated with that with a strong Pacific jet driving those weather fronts towards this part. So that's Western parts of the US, Southwest Canada. For eastern parts of uh, North America, another area of low pressure will bring multiple hazards through the next few days. Uh, we're likely to see some wet and windy weather and again, very high rainfall amounts and the risk of snow and freezing rain. So after that spell of winter weather, which was which affected about 100 million people, I think, around Christmas time, another area of low pressure will bring some huge impacts through the next few days with storm force winds really scary stuff so that's happening across north america but last week we talked about the mild air across europe alex and the fact that snow melt was a real issue yeah we had that incredible warm spell didn't we at the start of the year that lasted just a few days but it was the extent of the warmth that was particularly notable, covering a large swathe of central and, and northern Europe with temperatures so far above average. You know, records were broken from east to west, and not just daytime um, temperature records, but all you know, the whole of January records were being broken on the first of January. The, the numbers were incredible in in some countries, and that obviously caused a huge amount of snow melt as well. Now, um, temperatures have since dropped still been generally a bit above average but we have seen a return to closer to normal scenario thankfully and we've also seen uh, something of a return of snowfall as well across many of the um, alpine and, and pyrenean um, ski resorts we have seen a return of of some snowfall here too so conditions have been i say improving somewhat but yes significant warming at the start of the year led to snow melt and some some serious flooding as well yeah, there were reports at the end of last weekend of a significant snowstorm across the Alps. Uh, it all started on Sunday from the southwestern Alps. The freezing level then dropped from about 1,500 metres down to around 1,000 metres by the middle of the day. 
And yes, we saw quite a lot of snow, 50 centimetres in places. And eventually snow reached Austria as well as Italy, across the Alps, that is. So the heaviest snow was across the northern French Alps, but also southern French Alps. So that's good news if you're planning to go skiing and great news actually for the environment, because at this time of year, we do need that snow. We really do need that cold air. So the warm air reached east, northeast, but northwest across some parts of Scandinavia, they remained under very cold air and also very unsettled conditions, deep areas, low pressure, dumping a lot of snow. Yes, last weekend, Norway saw record snowfall. Hemsedal has just broken a hundred year old record for, for snowfall. Uh, and so a lot of the ski resorts there reporting uh, incredible deep powder. Uh, the record was broken at the week weekend. That record was for the most snow for the time of year, uh, as I say, for more than 100 years. Holto, 100, uh, 655 metres up in Hemsedal, they've been measuring snow dips uh, apparently since 1879. And the official measurements show over a metre, 115 centimetres of snow there on Sunday, the 8th of January. And they should uh, be getting another 30 to 40 centimetres of snow as well. But of course, there is a downside to that. It does come with with an avalanche risk. And um, that is up to level three, I believe, in this part of the world. Pictures, if you have a look online, are really pretty. You know, lots of white stuff and people enjoying skiing across. I wanted to go after the um, Gone Fishing episode Christmas special. Yeah, there was, you go. That, 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 that's what made me want to go. And there wasn't any snow then. So add snow to it. Oof, I'm there. Beautiful, beautiful. OK, so that's what's happening across Europe. And for the UK, Alex, thanks very much for your insights. Who's got our highs and lows today? It's the one and only Ollie Claydon. Here are your extremes for Monday the 2nd of January to Sunday the 8th of January. The highest temperature occurred at St James's Park, London, where 14.1 Celsius was recorded on Wednesday the 4th of January. The coldest temperature was recorded in the early hours of Monday, when Kinbrace in Sutherland dipped to minus 9 Celsius. The wettest place was Lynvanus in Powys, Wales, which received 50.6 millimetres of rain on Saturday. And finally, sunshine. It wasn't a particularly sunny week, but Hearn in Dorset managed to clock up 6.8 hours on Monday. Thanks, Ollie. It's certainly been a lively week of weather again at the Met Office. And next week looks also pretty interesting as well. So make sure you stay tuned and join us again next week on Weatherstaff. Weathersnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office. For the latest weather conditions where you are, download the Met Office weather app.